1: Let's work.
0: let's work. Come on, let's work. Let's work. Come on. Let's you can work. wish for it, or you can work. work for it. You gotta work for greatness. Let's work. Let's work. If you ain't working,
1: work. you should be working. Come on, let's work. These
0: are the
2: confessions of a workaholic.
0: workaholic. Success secrets of fearless female entrepreneurs who are obsessed with success. This episode is brought to you by the Work University. WorkU is the online clubhouse that connects women of color to the resources that they need so they can stop living paycheck to paycheck and start living the life of their dreams. To get on the wait list for Work University, log on to workuniversity.com or check the show notes for the link. Today we are talking to a true working woman who wears many hats as a wife mother, entrepreneur, author, and speaker. After spending 20 years creating marketing strategies for all of our faves, from Tony Braxton to TLC to Usher and even the MBA, she now serves as an empowerment speaker and life strategist. Now y'all, I had the pleasure of seeing her speak in real life, in action, um, just a few weeks ago, and she dropped so many gems in such a short time that I just had to see if I could get her to share some of this wisdom with my workaholics. And here she is. Super excited to have you, Sherry. Are you ready to confess?
2: I am, girl. I'm laying on the couch. I got my feet up. I am ready to confess. <laughs> Sherry Riley is I feel like you're gonna be my therapist. I feel like you going to yes. be my therapist on this. No, call. <laughs> listen, you're about to you're about to drop
0: the gems that's gonna help get our lives together. Like I said, when I saw you at the Bosspreneur um breakfast, you didn't even do, like it wasn't even a keynote. She didn't even have like slides and a PowerPoint. This was just a panel conversation. So just in having a conversation, you shared so much wisdom that I just knew. I had to get you on the show. So I'm super excited to have you um, to have you here. And I always like to start the show by asking um, what you started your career doing, because I always find it so interesting how our passions tend to lead us away from our profession. So what did you actually start your career doing?
2: Well, the interesting thing for me is I started in my passion, but I was extremely intentional about that. I, I knew when I was around 14 or 15, that I wanted to work in the entertainment industry, uh, but being very transparent, there was no quote-unquote entertainment industry in any capacity to the way it looks now. Like when I was saying I wanted to work in entertainment, you had record indus- record companies in New York and record companies in LA. So for me, it really was God's hands because I didn't know what I what it looked like. There was no industry. I didn't know how to do it. I'm from a small town in Kentucky. And, I, But I just, I had this driving desire. And uh, so I, the interesting thing is um, at 18, 19, I was very clear with what I wanted to do. It was when I started, you know, late 40s, is when I was like, ah, I don't have a clue now, uh, which is a whole nother story. Um, but I did. I, I started in my passion, which was my first position in the entertainment industry was working part-time, uh, for the late great Gerald Levert doing the marketing, uh, for him and his stable of artists. And after three years working there, I then uh, interviewed and got the position of doing marketing at LaFace Records.
0: So I, so you mentioned this a little bit, um, on the panel, you talked about like knowing back then what you wanted to do, but how now, what you're doing is not necessarily what you envisioned yourself doing, but you're you're living out your purpose in a different way. So what did you envision yourself doing? So, twenty years ago, you knew you wanted to be in the industry doing marketing. Did you see yourself being like a label executive? What did you say, okay, twenty years from now, this is where I see myself sitting in comparison to reality?
2: Yeah, where I saw myself is where where Sylvia Rohn is sitting now, you know the number one female in the entertainment industry. She is chairman and CEO of a record label. And when I started my career, that was my path. I just knew I would always be in entertainment. I knew I would be a top level executive, C-suite level executive in the entertainment industry. And I knew I would actually have um, another business in addition to that. So I knew entrepreneurship would somewhere fit in there, but I thought it would just be kind of the the side support, nowhere that I think it would be my primary. I only saw myself running a record label or running a top tiered entertainment company.
0: And kind of being the driving force behind other people, but how I see it from the outside looking in is that you have become the brand, like you are now the artist, you're the inside and the outside, you're the, you know, in front of the camera and you know what's going on, you know, in the background because of the things you've been able to do with your, you know, your own name, your own credentials, your own career. Um, how did, how did things manage to change along the way though? Like where, where, did the transition come in? And how do you know when it's time to pivot? Because you talked about that too. And I think it's so important to understand that the, the vision that we sometimes have for ourselves, it may be great and it may be grand, but the, the vision that God has for us is always just so much more perfect than what we could even picture for ourselves. So I think that it's just important to talk about that pivot and how you even knew or continue to know when it is time to transition or pivot in your purpose.
2: Yeah. And, and the first part of your question, you know, being very transparent with my confession, um, I honestly had a rough time with the transition uh, from me being the person behind the talent to me actually being the talent. Um, I, that was a tough, and I say tough transition, because it took me so long to really recognize, oh, Sherry, you're you're now the talent. Because um, I would show up when I first started speaking. I mean, I would literally walk in and I would still have my marketing hat on. So I'm looking at, okay, is the screen straight? Are the chairs straight? Is everything... And I would walk in and people would be expecting me, the speaker, but I would still walk in, at, walk in as the marketing person. So I would walk in like, is everything straight? Instead of the speaker going in and letting you know wear, sitting in the green room, getting prepared for me to go on stage. So I was still wearing both hats for so long. Um, and it really took my husband to finally say to me, sherry like you have to transition out of the behind the scenes and the talent to just the talent and i was honestly resistant and it i was resistant because i really didn't recognize that it does take a different mindset to really own that and but it was such a benefit for me and it has been a benefit that I can see both sides. So fast forward now as, you know, as you said the talent, I have a different sensibility with my team, I have a different sensibility with my agent, I have a different sensibility with the professionals that now work with me because I've been in their seat my entire career. I was the the marketing person, the branding person. And so when we have those business conversations with my publisher, with my agent, um, they There's a higher level of respect because I speak their language, but I also now take full ownership of the fact that I'm talent. And so there's been several pivots that I've had to take. The first pivot was when I was working at LaFace Records and realized that it was time for me to transition out. And I, I think I shared this on the panel. The first pivot that I had, I crashed and burned. Like, I literally crashed and burned, and that's when I realized that I was spending 100% of my time on 10% of who I was. The second pivot, I resisted. That's when I had my consulting firm, which I had for 17 years, and I was responsible for doing strategic consulting for companies like the NBA, Converse, Nike, Warner Media, and I had these amazing clients and this major brand equity in my company, and so for me what i envisioned was hey i can still do the traditional side the marketing and the consulting but i can also me personally be the speaker and work on personal development and professional growth that's the vision i had for me it took 3 years for god to finally get me to understand no you need to make a full pivot and that that transition took 3 years until i honestly got to the point where the desire and hunger for marketing completely drained out of me. Like I got to a point where if I had to do one more presentation, I just was going to like, I couldn't do it. My mind wouldn't even function. And what I say is that I'm grateful to God that he finally, he put, he drained everything from me so he could get my attention. Um, and then this last pivot. So those were physical pivots, one from the face Records to Entrepreneur, the second one was a shift in my business from consultant to full-time speaker and life strategist, and then the third pivot was was perception and mindset, and that was the one where I just really had to take a hard look um, and say, Sherry, and I, I literally had this conversation with a client of mine this morning. Um, in order for her to elevate her business, it wasn't about more clients, it wasn't about increasing her revenue, it wasn't about Decreasing her expenses, it was one hundred percent about her shifting her mindset from a person who was starting a business to a person who was running a million-dollar business, and that shift is the one I don't think people really talk about. Is we focus on what do we need to do externally in growing the business, but we also have to be very intentional about what is the perception and mindset shift that we have to have internally so that we can show up at the level that we've worked so hard to achieve. And I'm going to say this as I, I throw it back to you, what, what I was, what I said to her today, and, and this is what I continue to say to myself uh, from sharing this nugget with her, is that we can't allow what we have worked so hard to achieve for us to then rob us of walking in the fullness of that. So we work so hard to achieve this elevated reality for our businesses, but then we aren't intentional in making sure that our mindset elevates to that same level in how we show up. So
0: if there was one um, belief that you can say, you can pinpoint like I had to let go of that one thing, for example, on one of my episodes, I literally talked to a woman who said, she did not make her first million dollars until she forgave her father. Like she had daddy issues. And when she got through it, that was like what unlocked the the, the treasure chest. Can you pinpoint, and it doesn't have to be anything that deep, but it might just be a limiting belief around, I don't know, saving money or investing money or making money or something that you had to get over mindset wise that literally was like the key to unlocking the next phase of life that you can share.
2: Yes, 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 and yes. mine was coming up in the music industry, coming up in the entertainment industry, and working with so many people that were just ego driven even when they weren't quote unquote successful. They had this massive ego, and so for me, the mindset mindset shift that I had to change, the stronghold I had to let go of in order to really reach that next level of success was I had to let go of the idea that for me to walk in the fullness of my success, I would be that arrogant person that I'd come across so early in my career. And I had to really be, I had to let that go because I literally equated high level talent, high level individual brands um, because I worked with so many celebrities and so many artists and so many executives that were, you know, international brands that were honestly just arrogant buttholes, right? And just, I, so I had to release that mindset that, um, so what I would do is I would kind of minimize my place in the room because I didn't want anyone to think that I was that arrogant talent or I would minimize my voice in the room because I didn't want you to think I was that arrogant talent. And when I finally had the shift and let that go and realize, Sherry, you could never be, I don't care what level of success you reach. I don't care what your financial achievements are. I don't care how many accolades you receive. You will never be that arrogant person because that's not who you are. And when I finally had that hard conversation with myself in the mirror, that was the shift that le- that fully released me to walk in the fullness of all that God had purpose for me. And my husband would say to me, Um, Sherry, God has given you an anointing that you are covering up. And I never understood what he was saying until I really got to the core of what the issue was. And the issue was that I I didn't want to come off as that arrogant, spoiled, um, talent that I had come across so much in my career. Once I had that conversation, oh my gosh, just like the person you just referenced, it was night and day.
0: So I love the fact that you've mentioned a, a couple of times how your husband has um, supported you through these transitions and, you know, being your partner throughout these pivots a lot of times the people who are closest to us get comfortable with the things that we're currently doing and sometimes they can't accept who we're becoming or they can't accept you know when it's time for us to transition or do things um, differently did you have to deal with the doubts of other people around you when it was time to make these transitions like the you know the people who were used to you being the you know label record executive or the people who are used to you being their consultant Um, how did you or did did you have to deal with those doubts from other people? Because a lot of the listeners are, you know, contemplating a transition, plotting on a transition. They really are ready for that next level, but the people around them a lot of times are not going to let them go that easy. You know, they're, they're not ready for the level up. So they don't really want to let them go to that next level. So we're dealing with, you know, the doubts of other people or the fears of, you know, our family and friends. So can you relate? Did you deal? And if so, how did you deal?
2: Yes, absolutely. From day one, when um, when I left LaFace Records, my father thought I'd had a nervous breakdown. Like he was like, "Who does that? Like who leaves a six figure income? Who leaves a stable company? Who does that?" And, um, and but I had this dream, and you know, as a woman of faith, I had to completely live by the word when God said, "No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has conceived what I have shared with you." And so my father was my most influential, influential voice at that time. But what I had to understand is he was someone who, um, was a high school graduate, he worked and he retired. There was never even the reality of entrepreneurship for him. So that didn't make sense to him. I mean, years later, when I was making six figures at LaFace and when I was an entrepreneur and had a successful company, he would always say, girl, I don't know what you're doing, but you ain't asking me for money, so I guess you are okay. You know, (laughs) so he never fully understood. And then later, even recently with the transition of going from having a consulting firm to, you know, transitioning as a full-time empowerment speaker and life strategist, there's been way more naysayers than there have been those that have supported me. Way more. What do you mean you're, you know, oh, now you're doing that. And you've been a consultant for all these years. And and I had way more naysayers. And so what I, what I did and what I highly work with my clients on is there are certain places in your life when you hit certain pivots, that you have to be so focused on the outcome and you have to be so committed to the work that the work and the focus drowns out the voices of the naysayers when i'm working with my clients and their mothers their husbands their friends their family their those people that have been their support system do not see the vision they don't understand why they're leaving that job they don't understand why they're starting that business Um, I tell them, don't get caught up in what their words are. Stay so committed to the work, stay so committed to the vision that your outcome will allow them to see why you're making this decision. Because the one thing I'm convinced of is I can't convince you of anything. And so it may take you a month, five months, it may take three or four years. I'm in a place now that some of the biggest naysayers on my journey are now becoming some of my biggest advocates because it's taken, they now see the work that I've put into the vision that they didn't understand. And so when you get to that place, when the closest people around you are the ones who don't see the vision, don't get mad at them. Don't get upset with them. God didn't show them. And you may have to go against what they see in order for them to see what's really possible. And that's what's happened with my clients and myself is when we do what others can't see, it shows them what's possible for them if they commit to the work and the vision the same way you did.
0: So, so true. I say people are nearsighted. You know, they can only see what's right in front of them. That vision that God has given you, that far-sighted vision that, you know, no one else can see yet. You can't get mad when people can't see it. They literally cannot see it. They can't fathom it being possible or you being able to do these things. And so, you know, like you said, sometimes you just doing it is the encouragement that they need that it can actually um, be done. And it's also funny that you mentioned, you know, about your dad, not even getting what you're doing. My mom still thinks that I'm playing on my computer. You know, it's not until, you know, I'm like, mom, look, here's Essence, here's this, here's that. And she's like, oh, okay. You really doing something, you know, like that you're in that computer, you really got something going on over there. I'm like, okay. You, you yeah. don't get it, but they literally don't get it. It's not even within their, like, their reference point. Like they can't even see it being possible. Um, so we are proof. You know, us walking in it. A lot of times, we are the first to do it first. Nobody around us have you know has been able to do some of the things that we're doing. So they don't get it. But you can't be um discouraged by their doubt because. For as many people, you know, as there are that don't get it, there are so many amazing people out there who get it, who are doing it, and who will help you do it too. Um, which brings me to my next question, because at this event that you spoke at, at the Bosspreneur Breakfast, you were on a panel alongside Patrice C. Washington, who was my very first podcast guest ever, um, Sharia Jackson, who is the first person to put me in Essence Magazine, Becky Davis, who I recently had, on the show and Doreen Rainey, who I got to get on the show. I'm just throwing that one in there. But the world is so small, right? And Atlanta is even smaller. And it seems like everybody knows everybody. So with that in mind, I have two questions. The first one, how important is it to operate in integrity Um, and to just do people right when it comes to maintaining your reputation, having these relationships, lasting relationships, and building your career?
2: It's been everything for me. Um, My entire career has been built on integrity. Again, I'm a small town girl from Kentucky. So that's, that's all I know. All I know is, as my dad taught me, be a woman of your word. Sherry, you can go further in life with your word than you'll ever be able to go with money. He would tell me, even down to my credit, he would say, baby, you can buy anything you want as long as you got your word. And when I graduated from college, I literally walked into a car dealership with a letter that said I had gotten a job and what my salary was, and walked off the lot with a brand new Toyota Tercel, um, which was the living evidence of what my father said when he said, If you have a good word, if your word is good, you can do anything you want in life. And so, me coming into the entertainment industry and being an industry where being a person of integrity is not the norm it's not celebrated it was i was looked at as that being a weakness and so what i used to say all the time is i'll never play the game but i'm going to learn the game because you have to learn you have to learn and be discerning of the tricks but you don't ever have to play and you don't ever have to be a part of non-integral business but here's the key if you take the road of integrity you have to understand it is going to be a hard road to take. Because if it was easy, everyone would do it. More people would do it. I, you know, The decisions we make when no one's listening or no one's watching, that's where character is built. And so for me, um, integrity has been everything. I, there were so many opportunities early in my career that I could have made a lot of money um, but I would have lost the value in my name, uh, and people knew I had that decision. And when they saw that I took, walked away from the money because of the integrity, it didn't make sense at that time uh, to many people. Because they're like, "Oh my God, Sherry, you 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 walked away from six seven figures." Yeah, but the cost of that money wasn't worth it. But twenty twenty five years later. That's exactly why I have the career success that I have. And it's so many people that have come to me that have done business with me. And they say, girl, you know what? I don't really know everything you do. I just know you are a woman of your word and you will get it done. Or, you know, like right now I have a new client. I'm serving as their life strategist. And the recommendation, the reason I was recommended to work with this client was 100% based on my integrity. They're like, Sherry, you in 25 years, there has never been a negative word spoken about you and the level of the integrity that you bring. And so the one thing I want to offer the listeners is that doesn't come happenstance. You don't, that has, you have to have the intention that I will always show up with integrity. I, and, and that doesn't just mean stealing, not stealing, lying, not lying. It also means how you treat people. When you treat the receptionist the same way you treat the, the the CEO, that's integrity. When you treat the person who parks your car the same way as you treat the person who owns the restaurant, that is integrity. And so I, I tell people all the time, integrity is not just will you lie and not lie. Integrity is how you show up, how you treat people, how you how you take. Um, and hold on to, to information that's been shared with you. Can people trust you that when there's information that shouldn't be public, that you'll keep it pub- that you'll keep it private? And now with social media, can they trust that you won't post things that may not be positive for them um, at the that may be something positive to you, for you at the expense of someone else. Everything shouldn't be posted when you filter through a lens of integrity. Um, so it's been everything. And I think it's one of the qualities that we have to be even more intentional about in, in this new age, going into social media, going into the abundance of information, um, just going into this digital age there's a higher level of integrity that we all need to be intentional about.
0: I don't have to ask the second question because you definitely answered that in terms of how relationships have served you in your career. And I love that you are literally a living example that you don't have to play the game. You don't have to sell your soul. You don't have to operate, you know, um, you know, in any way that you aren't proud of in order to secure the bag or do any of the things. You can still live a successful life. Whatever your idea and definition of successful is, you can still achieve and accomplish all of those things without having to lie, cheat, steal, manipulate, or just do people wrong. Um, I often, you know, talk about, the The fact that we focus on this day and age is all about the to-do list, the things that you need to do, but we don't ever talk about the to-be list, like who you need to be in order to um, position yourself for the things that you want. Are you putting out the energy? Are you living in the spirit of the success that you say that you want to have? Because you can, you know, you can, have a bad attitude and do bad to people and still be successful, but is that going to be sustainable? You know, are you going to get it and keep it or are you just going to get it and then it's going to be gone? So I love that you aren't just saying, you know, you can be a good person and still win. You are living proof um, that, you know, that will definitely be of value to you in the long run versus the, you know, short, short short-term scheming. Um, And you know
2: what, and and just to add to that, you know, when you use this as a guide, because a lot of times people say, okay, but what does that mean? Like, what does that mean? How do I do that? What do I focus on? And what I want to share with your audience is your name is going to be talked about in rooms before you get there. What do you want that conversation to be? How do you want the conversation about your name to be in the rooms that you are not in? And and that's what I hone in on. Like I want when people are talking about my name, if there's a a, a corporation, I'll give you a perfect example. A colleague of mine, um, she's worked at a, in, in in this company for thirty years, and we were talking over the holidays, and she said, Sherry, we had a you know a company event. It was a small event of about. 10 people, and she's known me 30 years. But everyone in the room, some of them have known me two years, some of them just met me, some of them have known me about maybe three years, but at the most, four or five years. And so she's in this room. She doesn't know that I know any of them. They don't know that her and I have known each other 30 years. And she said, Sherry, somebody mentioned your name. And she said, it was mind boggling to me because these 10 people in this room every last one of them were like a Sherry Riley cheerleader. Every last one of them shared their story about their interaction with you, that it was like a course. She said it was just like this cascade of, oh my God, and she was this, and she helped me with this, and she poured into me here. She was so kind here. And that organization just called me two days ago to book me for this massive event uh, and this ongoing program. That is the epitome of what all of us should do or, or want to do as it relates to our name. That a room that I had, I, it was in a whole nother state, um, the conversation around my name, and then it later is gonna produce fruit, it's gonna produce finances, it's gonna produce equity. And so if you can just really think about when you're about to make a decision, when you have choices in front of you, that decision, how will it affect the way people would talk about your name when you're not in the room? And if we use that in, as a guide, it would truly help us live uh, in a in a space of integrity.
0: I love that. And it's so, so true because, and, and I believe, I think Patrice said this on the very first episode, episode one, she said, um, there's always someone watching you that's in position to bless you. Like there's always someone that you know, even if it's not today, even if it's not the day that they meet you, even if it's not the day that they see you. If you make that lasting impression and if you are consistent with that, um, then it always seems to come back around. Just endless, an endless number of opportunities, an abundance of you know wealth and so many different blessings can come from being a woman of your word and just having that um, that integrity. One thing that I really, really love and admire um, about you is your advocacy for Black love. I love that you are such an example of wearing so many hats, but doing it so gracefully. And I love that, you know, you are living, breathing example of that for your daughter, along with all of the single ladies and even married ladies that might be um, listening. So if there was one piece of advice that you could share with your daughter that could possibly help a single woman or a woman who just wants to strengthen her relationship, what would that advice be?
2: Um, It would be probably a two part. And the first part would be, um, and I know this sounds cliche, but it's so true. And it's still, even though it's cliche, um, so many of us still don't do it. And that is do the hard work to generally be in love with yourself. Do the hard work to generally own your own confidence. Do the hard work to truly value who you are. Do the hard work that you can sit just as comfortably by yourself in a restaurant as you can with a man across the table, as you can with a group of your friends. Do that work. And when you do that work, you absolutely become a magnet, not just for a man to be um, attracted to you, but you generally become a magnet for all positive things that will come to you, and you'll be a repellent for all things negative. Because when, a, when a, a, a man or a person sees you send off an energy that says, I'm broken, I'm pissed off, I'm mad at the world, it's your fault, I'm a victim, why don't they do better by me? Who's going to fix this? I deserve this, I'm worthy of this. When you send off that energy, it's going to bring people that need, see you're broken see that they can take advantage of you, whether it's a relationship or whether it's business. So when you focus on how you're going to love you, value you, appreciate you, pour into you, stand for you, and then walk in a room with a smile. There's so many women that just have this frown on their face and they don't even know it. Like they're just walking around with this perpetual frown. Just walking into a room and being intentional about having a smile on your face and owning that smile so that the smile that you have on the inside can begin to radiate the smile that you feel on the inside about yourself. And then when you move into that phase as a woman that's dating or already married, um, two things. In that place of fully owning yourself and appreciating yourself, then when you get into a marriage or into a relationship with a significant other, it's not about compromise as much as it's about alignment. And so many of us say we need to compromise or, you know, I'm the senior, woman, I'm the senior VP of this. I'm not going to compromise with this. You know, I I do this. I'm not going to, well, it's really not about compromise. It's about alignment. And when we communicate without ego, right? Communication is critical, but it's really communication without ego. When you communicate without ego, then you can work to a place of alignment. And in that place of alignment, the best advice I got was from a guy in college. And I believe I said this on the the panel that you were at, uh, is that, you know, when his his mother was a senior executive as a company, but when she pulled into that driveway and she took off, she took off her, her senior VP hat and she put her Mrs. Jackson hat on. And when she walked into that home, she was her husband's wife and her children's mother. And that is a very intentional mindset um, that I've had to learn is that my husband and I have these equal roles that we play in making our marriage work. And those equal roles have different responsibilities. And as long as we communicate without ego and stay aligned on how those mutual roles and how we align in those consistent, ever-changing responsibilities then we can continue to create a household where sometimes he gives more, sometimes I give more. Sometimes I take, sometimes he takes. Sometimes he's the lead, sometimes I'm the lead. But at the end of the day, if we're both honoring each other to work in our mutual strength zone, if we communicate without ego, so when it's time for him to check me, I can receive it. When it's time for me to check him, he can receive it. When we don't agree, we can agree to disagree but it doesn't damage the love and friendship that we have, that's how you maintain not just the integrity in a husband, wife, or spouse and spouse relationship, but those are really the core principles that you can have in any dynamic or any relationship, whether it's business, personal, or professional. And so for my single sisters, love, 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 love yourself in the deepest way. Radiate a smile on the inside and the outside. And as you get into that relationship that's moving into marriage, learn how to communicate without ego so that you and your husband can stay aligned so that your children will then see what it is to have a healthy relationship that hopefully can withstand the hell that everybody's going to go through at some point in marriage. (laughs) It is inevitable. Um, But these are the the tools that help you go through the ups and the downs together uh, where you can sustain and maintain healthy relationships over time.
0: So I could basically just like drop the mic and just end the conversation right, right there. Cause that was, um, that, (sighs) We could have had a whole show about the, about this one topic and we're definitely I feel like we're gonna have to continue this um this conversation because just personally and I don't know if you know if you are aware of the brand that I had um called the Single Wives Club. It was literally all about um, single women preparing to become wives, trying to become the best version of ourselves before even getting to that point so that our point of attraction was, you know, healthy relationships versus these broken situationships that are literally, you know, a result of what we are attracting. So it's so important for me and just like my personal life purpose in shining the light on black love, showing that we can, you know, have these healthy, happy relationships, um, and, and how valuable and important it is for our children to see that it's possible so that, you know, we can restore the family union. I got a whole, like a whole, a whole heart for this. Um, so we definitely gonna have to continue this conversation, but I definitely have to ask you about your book, Exponential Living, because... It is on everyone's reading list. It's winning tons of awards. It's nominated for an NAACP award. Tell us about this concept. You already mentioned it, of spending 100% of your time on 10% of who you are, um, since I know that that is the premise of the book. So talk to us about Exponential Living.
2: Yes. So Exponential Living is a lifestyle of pursuing peace, choosing clarity, and living courageously. And what I discovered over my 25 years of working in the entertainment and sport industry and being a corporate executive is that so many of us knew how to go after the success, after the accolades, after the achievements. The challenge was, okay, now how do we live with it? how do we live with the success when our skill and talent takes us to levels of success that our character can't sustain and what i uncovered is that many of us are pursuing financial freedom because we believe that that financial freedom that financial security will give us peace or we're pursuing relationships or we're pursuing titles because we believe if we reach these levels of success that then okay whoo okay now Now I've got the peace. And what people have discovered is that they're reaching these levels of success. They're having the relationships. They're making the money and they're still miserable. They still don't have the peace. And so my book is how to pursue the peace first so that we can then truly enjoy all of the other things that life then allows us to receive. And so in pursuing peace and choosing clarity, um which that's what peace brings when we get to that place of peace it allows us to get into that place of clarity and when you bring peace and clarity together you have the courage to do anything and so in that place of exponential living, so many of us are just, like you said earlier, that to-do list, we're that gerbil, we're just constantly going, 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 and we lose sight of what all the work is for. And so what my book does is really speaks to how do we live in that place of peace? How do we live in that place of clarity? How do we then use that to have the courage to to create a 100% lifestyle, to really be able to enjoy all the things that we want to achieve in our life not just a great career but also a good personal life also a life of significance and so the book is um, built around nine principles Um, there's nine principles that I have tried and true, it took over almost 20 years to write the book, 12 years of really concentrated effort of living these principles, um, because I didn't want it to be theory. I didn't want it to be research that I academically put it together. I really wanted to share the real life experience of what it is to have a lifestyle of exponential living. And uh, so it is nine principles. And Uh, my goal and what I've been told since the book came out is it really is a manual. Uh, It isn't a book, you know, you can read it through and many people do, Uh, but I get more than often, whoo, okay, girl, that book sits on the side of my bed because I got to read a little bit, put it into action, read a little bit more, put it into action.
0: I love it. Tell us where we can get a copy of the book. And for everyone who is um, listening that wants to stay connected with you, please let them know where they can find you on social media as well.
2: Yeah. So my website and uh, Instagram and Twitter is dot or share at Sherry Riley. So S H E R I R I L E Y. And then for LinkedIn, YouTube and Facebook, It's sherryreilly.com and the D O T C O M is spelled out. And then my book, Exponential Living Stop Spending 100% of Your Time on 10% of Who You Are, is available anywhere books, audiobooks, and ebooks are sold. This has been another
0: game-changing episode of Confessions of a Workaholic, meant to empower and encourage you to get that ass to work. You (laughs) already have everything you need to get everything you want if you're willing to do the work. I love you. See you next week.